When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, Stephen Pearson from Rat. You're listening to Jay Scott, The Look Rocks. Jay Scott, it's the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. We've done it, we've made it. It's our three-year anniversary, and it's a special three-year anniversary show. And we're going to get into it in just a bit. Just wanted to remind everyone that we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. There's something for everyone's musical tastes and interests on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I always mention my friends like Tom and Zeus. The Shout Out Loudcast, the Great Kiss Podcast, Martin Popoff, the Rock Historian, Mistress Carrie out in Boston, uh, Mac from the U- Ugly American Werewolf in London Podcast, Decibel Geek, Aaron and Chris, as well as Vinny Apice, Carmen Apice, and Ron and Esty on the Hanging and Banging Podcast as well. So check those out and all the others on Pantheon Podcast. Search them up on social media at Pantheon Pods and search up the Hook Rocks wherever you podcast. At The Hook Rocks, you can find us on every podcast platform, as well as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We've had some tremendous guests lately, like Mark Tremonti, Joe Satriani, Todd Damick-Kearns, Scott Gorham, as well as some great new acts like Native Sons, Stone Broken, Fast Eddie, and many more. And we just did a great music commentary piece on how to help your audio sound, your acoustics in your own home with our friend Skylab Tapes. He's our resident professor of audio. And we also did our latest live album review of Kiss Alive. So check out that deep dive into that great album in in 1975. 
Check out all those and more. Don't forget to follow us also as well on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hit that subscribe button or that follow button when you do get a chance. I'm really excited about our next guest because he was on the show a little under a year and a half ago, and it was an awesome conversation. I felt like my youth had come full circle because it was just a a great moment for our podcast and for me as a, a fan of his music, a fan of the band that he was in. And we've got lots to talk about because he's one of the defining voices of that era of music, which is 80s hard rock. And we'd like to welcome in lead singer of the legendary band Rat, the legendary lead singer, Stephen Piercy. What's going on, man? How are you? Those rat bastards. (laughs) Are you my friend there in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Can't wait to come see you at the Displains Theater in a few weeks, I think, or next month. Um. Going to looking forward to checking that out. As I mentioned to you before we got on, it's a beautiful theater. Uh, Ron Anesti, who does that podcast with Carmen Apice of Minneapolis, is the promoter who actually owns that theater. Uh, it's very well done. It's it's a it's a great place to see a show. Oh, I love it. I look forward to playing anywhere while I can. <laughs> I still have good time playing. I mean, believe it or not, we don't go through motions. We don't use tapes. We don't do any of that bullshit. I am like direct drive and even more so with my solo band because I get to, you know, play anything I want. If I, you know, want to do a priest song, I'll play a priest song. If I want to do an arcade, I'll do an arcade. But you'll still lay it down and go round, you know? That's awesome, man. I, you know, when I was Doing this episode, or going to do this episode, and plan it out. Um, I'm, I'm, I really wanted you to be the guest on our three year anniversary show, and I'm so glad that it came to fruition because number one, we got lots to talk about, and number two, you're always a great interview, and uh, I appreciate you coming on board. Right on, appreciate it. Happy anniversary, by the way. Thank you, thank you. So, how are you, first of all, how are you feeling? I'm good. You know, uh, everything's copacetic. You know, my routine, if people don't know, is my brush with the with cancer. It's just something that I monitor every few months. And and so far, so good. No complaints, you know, bop, bop, bop. All good. That's awesome. That's great news. And, of course, you've got the new tour happening now with your band uh, coming to, you know, festivals and some theaters across the country. And you've got new music you're preparing for at the end of the year. Tell us more about all that stuff. Yes. Well, you know, since the uh, the COVID thing went down and, and I didn't sit around, you know, we've been I've been trying to get out my sixth solo record for some time. And Eric and myself, Farentino's guitar player in my band, we've got so many songs. And then every day I'm like putting kids and bits out there on the internet, you know, and opening the door and, and kind of getting the feel of what people, you know, hey, that sucks or that's cool or that's whatever. There's so much music. So in the meantime, I decided, well, let's do something kind of groovy and let's release a legacy record from day one through present day. And the songs that I wrote, uh, uh, which I call the COVID tapes, you know, a couple of them will make this legacy, but it's going to be a great record. It's it's the first real compilation legacy, per se, that I've released. You know, Arcade, there's some insane rat live tracks in there. And good stuff. 
Well, I know people would be happy to hear that because one of the things that's always lacked in the rat catalog is live performances from the band. Yes. And, you know, I've been hearing that for so long and I've got the biggest bootleg collection of rat live on the planet. So I've decided it's time to get a real live uh, uh, vinyl. Let's start there. Of rat the best years, 83 to 91 with Robin. And so I'm going to make that happen. It's going to take some time because everybody has tapes. And, you know, I've already went through every bootleg out there, you know, and gotten what they've done. And nothing I don't have, except there are some real gems in there, unreleased songs and stuff that we recorded that was never released. So it's going to be kind of cool. So look forward to that. It's always interesting when I hear someone like yourself kind of go through archives of the band. I, ha- I had an interview with Gil Moore from Triumph, and they just did a documentary about the band. And I asked him, and I'm going to ask you the same question, what's it like going through the archives? Do you, do you have memories that you have forgotten about that are kind of you know, conjured up by going through all this old stuff? hundred percent, you know, some of the, some of the things in my book, actually, I had to, you know, have my memory refreshed and the same with the music, you know, a lot of stuff went down and you don't have really time to remember. I mean, you're in the moment and if it has to do with recording, well, I mean, shit, all kinds of crazy shit went down. Nothing stopped when we were in the studio, out of the studio, on the studio, it was still a consistent heyday um but yeah you know uh, there are moments in there and those are the ones i'd like to capture actually and and put out because some people get close but they don't they don't get there with the uh especially the live recordings going back to that i watched your documentary earlier this year late i think it was late last year early part of this year um and it was interesting to learn more about your childhood, to learn more about how Rat came up, because it's not talked about enough. And as I mentioned on our previous interview last year, people forget the magnitude of Rat and how they were really the gateway to the popularity of all that music. There was some stuff simmering, you know, before that and had, you know, obviously there was Van Halen and obviously there was other bands too as well but Rhett really kind of propelled that wave of that scene even Motley Crue who came out maybe a little bit earlier than you didn't see the success that they had until Out of the Cellar was released and you know learning more about you learning more about the band I mean when you walk in that house and it still has the Rat logo I think it was in the garage of that one house yeah uh, that had to be a trip for you like like seeing that yeah, it was, you know, I can literally reminisce, smell it, feel it. You know, it was pretty surreal, um, pretty surreal. But I think, you know, you hit on something there. And that's why there's such a, a, a popularity again with the 80s decade, per se, right? You have the 60s, you have the 70s, you even had the 50s with Elvis. But that genre, the real genre, I'm not talking about um, 
the mid eighties or late eighties. I'm talking about the guys who are there. 1980, 1981, and believe it or not, it was Great White, Dante Fox, uh, Striper was Rock's Regime. You had Motley, you had Wasp, you had Debro. Um, so the first batch of us, when I hit town, January 1, 1980, I was ready to rumble. I have already met the guys in Van Halen, fortunate enough to become friends, and and I learned a lot. You know, I, I learned quite a lot from 78 till I moved up into Los Angeles in 1980. But those original, that, that original era or, or piece of that, I would agree with you. I mean, it, there were some good things spearheaded by Van Halen, but it, it was really Molly, Rat, you know, great. Not Dante Fox, you know, and all these other bands, the White. I mean, there were other bands besides us, the ones that made it per se. You know what I mean? But it was the real, the real deal, and that needs to be embraced. And that's why I've opened the doors like I have. You know, hey, there's that that trippy rat fucking guy. You know, well, this is the reality, right? <laughs> I survived. Number one. Uh, and number two, there's some great things to talk about because it, there is a resurgence. It's not going to go away. You know, it's it's very popular and, and it's good. It's dangerous again. It's colorful. It's exciting. People are trying to be, you know, what they wanted to be, the musicians. You know, they're trying again, you know, instead of just going out there and just eh, winging it, per se. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, in that documentary, you mentioned sitting on the stage when Van Halen was performing and yeah. going back to your bandmates down in San Diego and saying, we got to step it up. We got to, I mean, if we want to get to that level, we've got to, we've got to do certain things. When you think back of that time and you think back of now, you know, you mentioned having the friendship with, with that band, you know, throughout the years, you know, with Van Halen, without seeing that show, did it? Does it mean that Rat doesn't become who Rat is? Did you need to see something like that to really know what it's all about and know the work that you had to put in? Yeah, that it was possible because all I went by was Led Zeppelin. Seeing Led Zeppelin, I saw Zeppelin, the original band, uh, three times in '73 um, and in '75. And I thought that was the shit, right? And it is, and it was, you know, it, it made me step up as like, you know, a first time learner guitar guy, this and that, plus other interests, uh, uh, musicians. <clears throat> but, um, yeah. <laughs> and it was a friend of mine. He kept telling me, you got to go up. Cause he knew I started playing guitar out of the hospital and I was way into music now. And, you know, the magazines and, and you got to see this band, Van Halen. They're playing Gazaris, right? And I'm in San Diego. And yeah, you know, I missed him at Gazaris. But then he said again, down the line, like uh, 78, I think the record was, I don't know if it was completed, the first record. And he says, you got to go see him. Now they're at the Whiskey. Okay. So I pack up myself pocket full of joints and I drive up to the whiskey, you know, fortunate enough to coax Dave to smoke a joint, let me in. 
I met Ed. I mean, it was just crazy. And then I'd go see him and, and sit on the stage going, fuck, man, this is this is crazy. Nobody really knows about this shit, right? And I'd go to San Diego. You're correct. And I'd go, you got to check these guys out. They are the new Zeppelin. They are just, they're going to be huge. This guitar guy. Yeah, right, Steve. Yeah, sure, man. Smoke another one, right? So uh, lo and behold, um, I was becoming friends, but not soon after that, they played a gig at San Diego Sports Grid and shortened it. And Ed didn't have enough gear, right? So he calls me up and he's going, I need all the gear I can get. Cabs in it, cabinets, everything. So I'm calling all my guys and everybody, go just meet me at the sports arena, bring all the cabs. Ed, this guy I'm talking about is playing, blah, blah. So sure enough, it was like, whoa, Van Halen, this brand new thing was introduced to my town. And then I, I wasn't crazy anymore. So I went, January 1, 1980, I'm out of here. And that's what I did. It's amazing that the stories have come out about Ed and his his presence in the community, especially with you know Southern California bands, whether it's the story you just told or Chris Holmes telling the story that he used his guitar and women and children first. Um, that was never really told or talked about while you know while he was living. And and it's such a uh, a great aspect of his life and a great you know that he, even though the heights that he was able to obtain and get to he still was you know part of he still was one of you guys right he still was one of you know one of you guys hanging out you know asking for cabs or doing all these things and it seems like he was very loyal to his friends you know as as time went on. I must say that, and and I was fortunate enough to meet him way early, early, and that was cool because, you know, I was trying to accomplish the same thing, you know, and they had a lot to do with it, just the way their whole system was run, the songs, uh, their stage, uh, the big stage, big lights, big sound. That's all I remember hanging out with them. You know, and yeah, you know, Ed was like a pretty normal guy. When we hung out, we didn't talk about music. That was the furthest thing from uh, conversation, you know, with us. He was my neighbor, you know, also. Um, but, he, you know, straightforward, normal guy. I don't, he was smart, though. I got to say that Ed was one smart fucker. You know, he knew what he was doing with that guitar and taught Robin the tricks and keeping the guitar in tune before the, you know, the locks. And it just blows my mind. You know, you just got to learn and, you know, and uh, do as I will, you know. It also helps, too, that you guys are both into cars as well. Yeah, I'm, uh, I got out of them quick. There's the... <laughs> And then I took it to, you know, professionally, you know, co-sponsored cars. And, yeah, I keep it off the the highways there. But, uh, yeah, Ed, dearly missed still, man. But, you know, so many stories. I'm going to do a second book eventually and and, and talk about some, some cool stuff and more on the side of music this time around. So that'll be interesting, too, when that comes to play. As we talk about that decade, you know, the 80s and the music that came out, there is the stadium tour right now, which two bands that are featured in that were probably the two most prominent or two of the most prominent bands in that decade, which was Def Leppard 
from the UK and Motley Crue from Southern Cal. There's been rumors about Rat being a part of that in the beginning or part of those discussions as that tour was being formulated. What, what can you tell us about that? Uh, well, we had our own tour set up and, you know, and then we heard wind of that, but, you know, I got to tell you, we might be the most dysfunctional rock band on the planet. And that's why Rat lies where it lays right now. I mean, we probably couldn't figure out who, why, what, where, and time goes by and, and you miss the opportunity. But it's possible. We had our own tour going, then COVID went down, you know, but who knows if that would have even uh, went down, you know. I mean, here, I was trying to put the original guys back together, you know, and we had an opportunity and Hence my solo tour, you know, and what I do now. What is the, the, the hindrance with that happening? I mean, there is an appetite to see you guys, the, the original guys, the living original guys, you know, perform again. And, you know, with the success of the stadium tour and other bands touring, you know, where does your, where does your frustration lie with this not being able to, you know, to move forward? Well, Personally, I'm not frustrated at all. I'm I'm very uh, I'm very copacetic with the whole scene. I mean, look, either way, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I've got other things going, other interests, and and that are being developed for next year, and they don't involve the band at all. But Rat, you know, what I couldn't really get into anymore was with no disrespect, all these different musicians coming and going, it's like, you know, stop, you know, Robin will be kicking somebody's ass right now, you know? Uh, so, you know, all I can do is put the, the, the feelers out there. And I did, I'll never record a rat record unless it's the original guys. Uh, and I'm starting to think the same way live, you know? So we'll see, you know what I mean? But it's no big deal to me. I, I, I'm I've got things on the table, plate, and I'm, we're busy, you know. So God bless. Some people don't need to do it, you know. Some people don't want to, you know. It's it's not really my my uh, my. That's my assessment, you know. But it, it's all good. I still go out and and do my songs and their rat songs, and I'm happy. It, it's a great thing. It's a great thing, and we're doing good shows. So go to officialstevenpiercy.com and check them out. When you think about performing now and think about having your band on this tour and other tours, you mentioned, you know, the dysfunction that, that is within RAT. And then you talk sure. about how happy you are with the solo band. And you just mentioned, too, hey, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I got a lot on my plate. It's all good. Does that, you know... Does that create a hesitancy if there was an opportunity to actually do a tour with Rat because you're so happy with what you're doing with your solo? There isn't a lot of dysfunction there versus what could possibly be once you go down that rat that rat road? No, because it wouldn't happen without me in the first place. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. But no, no, it, it, it's just uh, my decision. You know, my decision is... I mean, look, we're around. It's no big deal. But I'm not going to, you know, there's no need to, you know, try to heavy hand something. There's no reason. 
you know, like you say, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place and that's just fine with me, you know, otherwise these boys come out. <laughs> well, I guess that, I guess that's the question because you are in a good place. You know, if, if there was the opportunity for you and the rest of the guys at Rat the Tour versus the solo tour, would it be a difficult decision knowing that you're in a good place, knowing the dis- dysfunction in the past? Is it kind of what I'm asking? Yes. And you should be surprised with that answer. No, yes. Because it, it's happened before, you know. You know, and, and I've had that opportunity, as everybody in Rat, to do their own stuff, solo records and for a long time but uh, yeah yes you know uh it's all good i mean you know i i it's, it's like a subject i don't even really think about you know it is what it was and it was a good thing you know and it doesn't stop me from doing whatever i what i did for my band rat which right sing maybe it gets to the stage these songs um but i same shit every day, you know, write music and, and move forward, you know, and fortunate enough to be here. What are your thoughts on the stadium series tour uh, or the stadium tour with, uh, with Def Leppard and Motley Crue, seeing those two bands, bands that you kind of, you know, rubbed elbows with, were friends with, you know, during that time, also now seeing Poison and Joan Jett, you know, when you see them, you know, on that type of bill, on that type of concert, and then knowing the history, knowing all the guys, what are your thoughts? What kind of goes through your mind? I think they're very, they're lucky, number one. And, you know, uh, I think it's great for, for what's going down. I think it's, it's great for the environment. It's great for any band. And, and on that topic, it's like some of these bands, even the BCD listers that really didn't make it, now you got this hair metal thing. Now, some of these bands are getting played more uh, more so now than they did when they had a, an opportunity to add a record deal and put it out and it didn't work. You know what I'm saying? There's a The door is open. People love this shit. You know, you can call me hair metal all day long. Just pay the pick up the check, you know? Uh, but I think it's brilliant. I It was a no-brainer. Something was going to happen. I, you know, I have my thoughts about uh, what's going on musically in that environment, <laughs> but you know, I'm not up there, you know. So, uh, but I think it's great. I mean, we've known the Leopard guys since God '82, and then Motley. I mean, it's brilliant. Poison, you know, Joni. You know, Joni's a, a great girl, uh, but I, I think it's brilliant, and there will be more. You know, hopefully more of these shows, because I'll tell you what, overseas, they're having a great time with their festivals right now. You know, they're like 60, 80, 120,000 thick, you know, metal is alive. Call it what you will. The 80s scene or, you know, let's call it that. Yeah. You know, people who say that rock is dead. um, Yeah, right. I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see the death of rock and roll anytime soon. Yeah, I don't either. I just see it progressing, and it, and it depends on the characters, you know, who are involved. I mean, let's not, you know, uh, people should learn by what went down, because nothing actually did. Just another kind of music entered the program, 
and you didn't have to get that out there with the outfits, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the music at the end of the day does the talking, you know what I mean? So I haven't seen or heard any good bands since the 80s, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, that's where that's at. I mean, L.A., some of these towns, there's got to be something new out there. And I'm not talking about Zeppelin cover bands like Greta Van, Greta Van Belt or something. Uh, and I'm talking new heavy metal bands, new Motley's, new Rats, call it what you may. The new Wasp, bring it on, you know. The new Van Bring it on. Do you think that the climate of society, because when you think back of the bands in the 80s, it was, everything was on the table, right? I mean, there was nothing that was out of line. Well, maybe a few things, but not much. And, you know, you had Motley, you had you guys, you had Wasp. You know, I mean, gosh, I think about, you know, Wasp with throwing, you know, blood or whatever on these women on stage and stuff. Do you think, you know, the climate today prohibits that from from ever happening again. Sure. Yeah, some of that buffoonery. But then again, that's exactly what it was. I mean, some people played it off and some of it was real. And that's what people are actually enjoying about, I, I think, that 80s whole scene, the scene that we lived in and were a big part of. Because I love telling some stories. I mean, there are some... Uh, I hear stories and it just blows my mind. Right. But there were a lot of cheaters back then. I mean, it's really interesting to get to the schematics of the whole ball game, you know, and how it turned into what it did. It's almost like uh, the new bands. Now they all sound the same. Well, why? Because a few of them were popular. You know what I'm saying? But right now, it's a good time to have this kind of music, the stadium tour. Bring it on. Bring on the tours. Bring on the packages. Let's get back to, you know, where it was. And that's what's cool about what's happening now, I think. You know? That decade was really the last era of music that was about a party that was about the good time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just had to stop. Why? I mean, you're an artist, you're, you're a writer, you're creating, say and be what it is, you know? And it doesn't bother me. I have me personally, I have a direct drive mode and I just go. <laughs> so, but I, I, there are a lot of stop signs, yellow, you know, you got to think about everything these days and that's not cool. You know, that's, that's not cool, but Hey, look, you know, you've got this whole scene growing and growing, this 80s metal scene. And it's not just that. You know, you're talking about the 80s. You're also talking about anything went, too. That's what made that decade special. Cindy Lauper, you had Madonna, you had Michael Jackson, you had the Eagles, you had this, you had Meatloaf, you had everybody. You know, just stirred in this one big pot of love. You know, what happened? You know, good question. I think we're still trying to figure it out. Um, as you talked about this compilation album having live material from Rat, why why release that now? What what is the timing? Like, was it, do you just feel like doing it? Do you think it's the right time? What went into making that decision? Adding a couple of live tracks. Yeah, 
because it's part of my legacy and I'm, you know, proud of it. Some of these shows, I mean, I haven't heard some of these tapes and I mean, I have tapes. So I have hundreds and hundreds and I'm telling you, we were, we had our moment. We were great bands hit and misses live, but we didn't use tapes and we didn't do this. And I wouldn't allow it if it happened to this day. Uh, but there's some good live music and it should be heard. It's part of my trip. It's part of my journey. And if I wrote the song like direction or your only age or top secret or, well, then I have every right to let it be heard, you know, like you got sweet treater live 1983. When you hear this, you're going to, you're going to blow your mind. Come on. Speaking of sweet cheetah, that comes from the EP that you guys released. Is I know when we last talked, you talk about that was a possible release of being remastered. Is there any movement on that? Well, yes, there is. I can say that it will be done next year, and it'll be done on vinyl first. That's all I can say about it, uh, and it's it'll be in good hands. So all is good for that EP to finally come out, you know, and, and let people check it out as a vinyl, you know, as it was pre- uh, presented in '83. You know, I remember when that came out. I was eight years old. Whoa! And uh, I mean, just you know, I mean that that album too, that EP, I should say. Out of the Cellar was great, but that album, like, was completely different than anything you released after because it it was it was a lot more priest like um, in terms of its heaviness than Out of the Cellar, Invasion of Privacy, and so on. Yeah, those you know, it's like I'm kind of refresh, you know, letting people in on something that they might not know. That at first I play guitar, second I write a lot of these songs. Uh, rat songs but those actually the the first batch of those songs were mickey rat songs written in 19 i wrote in 78 79 uh back from war was written in like 1980 but like tell the world you got it sweet cheater uh direction in your direction top secret for all that matter was written uh late 70s it was you say priest well that's robin entering the picture you know and us recording that ep and then live i mean some of the songs i have live are just insane i mean bobby's drumming everybody just out for blood like no nonsense you know time for an ass whipping 1983 style now are these at like clubs in la or are these out in arenas and theaters oh these are like troubadour rocks oh wow Risky, you know, the real places, you know, where you, you know, where we all beat each other up, the Motleys, the, you know, rats and everybody else, you know. Yeah, good stuff. Stay tuned. It's interesting because, you know, when you look at Led Zeppelin, they released How the West Was Won, and a lot of that material was from bootlegs that Jimmy Page, sort of like you, collected over the years. And he kind of chose like the best ones that he had heard of the material, you know, on those bootlegs and actually put it on that album, how the West was one. I think it was like three CDs or something like that. And you're kind of doing something similar where you've collected all these bootlegs over the years and, you know, you've picking out the best stuff and what sounds the best and putting it out. Yeah. 
Correct. Correct. And and it's not because pagey thing, but uh, you go to the source first and I'll just go reclaim it. First of all, uh, uh, you know, I have yet to hit up the other guys and see what they got. I mean, Juan used to record uh, from the board every night during the arena tours. You know, we have film, we have uh, uh, pictures. I mean, it's all here. It's just a matter of, you know, uh, me putting it together because that's the only way it's going to be done right. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, <laughs> misses out there. I mean, there's actually another best of rat record coming out on BMG. I don't know if I blew that surprise, but it's coming out, you know, because I'm helping with the artwork and stuff. <laughs> And is that going to feature any unreleased stuff, or is it just kind of all the standard rats hits that you guys have? You know, I can't tell you, and I don't think I want to. <laughs> uh, it's kind of cool, though. Yeah, I'm backing it. I, we're all backing it, so it's it's a good thing. Even though we haven't talked, we're talking outside of the circle. <laughs> when you think of rat and the success and the height of success, when when do you think? I am. I know you mentioned eighty three to ninety one. But what was the peak of those years for you guys? Like, when was it all just hitting on all cylinders? Like, you know, no one could touch you. Mm-hmm. Um, we were always vulnerable, uh, but we liked that. I would say 87. And one reason being a story Robin and I had on our way to play Madison Square Gardens. That's when it's like, okay, I think we did it. You know, let's not stop here. <laughs> you know, so we, we, look, we didn't even know it was going to go uh, plastic, let alone gold or platinum. You know, that wasn't our trip. Of course, we wanted to succeed. Uh, we were the last of the Mohicans to be signed on the strip. Rat. I mean, go figure. We'd sell out shows, and there were other bands being signed before us. But, you know, when it came time to lay it down, we did. And so you have this. What was that moment like, you know, sharing that with Robin? You know, you guys were really kind of the two main, you know, yeah. main faces of the band back then. And, and, you know, pulling up to Madison Square Garden, coming from, you know, San Diego up through L.A. Now you're, you know, kind of at the at the peak of, of, of success for most bands and what most bands considered. What was that experience and kind of being at that moment? You know, it's hard to explain. And I know uh, a lot of my peers or peers have had that feeling. It's just, you know, if you stick to it, you you learn, uh, you can do it, you can make it. And that's what I would give any advice to somebody. Just be different. Don't stop, you know, direct drive and go. Don't look back. But it was a crazy feeling. It is. It, I can reminisce again and say it was the same feeling we got. Robin and I again driving back to Rat Mansion West at about four in the morning or something, three in here and you think you're tough from the EP on two of the biggest rock stations, you know, it's like just surreal feelings. Like, wow. Like, you know, you really stick to this shit. It can happen, <laughs> you know, but you gotta be good at it. 
you know, granted, we rehearsed, we worked. It wasn't uh, like it was handed to us, like, here, I got a shitload of money. Let me back up your band, you know. It was like, no, you're going to go bust some ass, you know. When, when's the last time you talked to any of the guys in rap? Oh, uh, through emails? <laughs> no, I actually had spoken to Bobby not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, not too long ago. All good. He just had surgery. So get better. I uh, I have to tell you, when you did your show at the Whiskey, um, yeah. and you did the live stream, my son watched it, right? My son at the time was 16, and he gets done watching it. He's like, Dad, that was the coolest thing, man. That was awesome. You know, and he, and he, uh, and he, he made mention how you kind of, you you jab at the guys you're on stage with, like, hey, you know, we're back at the whiskey. And I think you turn to one of your guitars, like, well, you've never played here, but I have. And my son thought that was, you know, just that, just that camaraderie and that charisma that you have on stage was really cool for him to see. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, man. I tell you, you get to a place like that. I'm actually going back there i just added a southern california show uh december 30th pre-new year's eve party at the whiskey because you know anytime i'm asked to play there you know i don't play for free but i'm like of course it's where i grew up you know it's we were the house band you know we a lot of blood and sweat on that stage you know and then again you think about all the other people who have played there number one Led Zeppelin, two, Judas Priest. Should I keep going? Van Halen, Rat, Motley, the rest is history. Yeah. Steven, it's been a blast talking with you again. Thanks for doing this three-year anniversary show with the Hook Rocks. I appreciate it. You're welcome, and happy anniversary. And fuck, man, official com. Check it out. I'm out there ratting and rolling. You want to lay it down? That's where I'm at. Thank you, brother. MJ Scott, this is the Hook Rocks. Take care of each other. We'll talk soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 